Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people with dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Tammy Pescatelli lost her agent and manager back in 2016 after she spoke out about joke-stealing and parallel thinking. But that's not the first time in her career that Pescatelli did something her reps disapproved of. Years earlier, Pescatelli continued performing in comedy clubs and theaters while more than eight months pregnant, long before it became popular for women in comedy to do so. But Pescatelli is a funny woman of a certain age. She competed on seasons two and three of NBC's Last Comic Standing, and after the birth of her son, she started her own reality series on Wii TV called A Stand-Up Mother. Since then, she has featured in Jenny McCarthy's Dirty Sexy Funny special for Epics, and formerly co-hosted Stuttering John's podcast. In March of 2020, Pescatelli has two new specials available for streaming or purchase. She's part of Showtime's More Funny Women of a Certain Age, that's headlined by Caroline Ray, and also featuring Carol Lever, Carol Montgomery, Julia Scotty, and Thea Fidal. Pescatelli also stars in her own hour-long stand-up, The Way After School Special, filmed at her old high school gym in Ohio for Comedy Dynamics. Tammy and I get into it, so let's get into it! Yeah, we're we great. Are. We're great, Tammy Pescatelli. We are the pride of you Perry, are. Ohio. Perry, Ohio. Yes, go Pirates. Wee. Um, but that's uh, that's another special on another network. Um, no network, but yes, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's all, okay. All the platforms. They know. Um, so last things first. I love that your your boy your boy. Luca, yes, not the big boy, Luca. Little boy Luca is how old now? 11? Turned 12, 12 last Wednesday. Sean, where does time go? I don't know where it goes. I was supposed to be dead by now. Now I have to live forever <laughs> to see this kid. Like I, I didn't have any, before I, you know, I never wanted to grow up and get married and have kids. And now I have this son and now I have to have contingency plans. I was supposed to just go live at a casino. Mm -hmm. That was my retirement. Right, so I could eat the buffets and have maid service, and then perform in the lounge. And perform, and then for a couple bucks, mm -hmm. you know, off some way off casino somewhere, like in Hemet, <laughs> you know. I have no idea where Hemet is. Outside of Vegas, like okay. it's a dusty old, it's a crusty place. I'll have to check it out. The it's next the time crusty I'm there. crab. I remember. I remember actually seeing you in Las Vegas when you were pregnant. Back oh when they gosh. had the HBO or TBS comedy festival there. Yes. HBO. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Do you remember that? I oh do. my gosh. Well, the, and this is the reason I ask because now in 2020, it's very trendy for comedians who are eight months pregnant to film a big comedy special. Right. But 12 years ago, or say 12 and a half years ago, it wasn't so trendy. No. It wasn't so fashionable. What was it like to be a pregnant Well, don't you remember? Comedian? I know you remember then. If you knew I was pregnant, you knew I said to you, don't tell anybody. Uh, and you're like, well, eventually they're going to know. And I was like, yes, but I have to hide it because my agent told me. I, I mean, I've written a couple jokes about it, but mm -hmm. he was like, don't tell anybody because no one will want to book you. And since I make my living on the road... I had to hide it till I was about six months pregnant and I couldn't hide it anymore. 
because no one had ever seen a pregnant woman on stage. Right. I mean, you know, we're talking about the Showtime special, f- funny women of more funny women of a certain age. Yes. And so, if you're of that certain age, being a stand-up comedian, being a woman, already has all of its obstacles and hurdles that you have to jump through just to enjoy making a living doing that. Right. But then being pregnant on top of that. That was crazy because I think. So explain to the millennials. Yeah, I'll tell you. It's cool. I mean, here's what happened too. Like I literally, they everybody imposed on you what the woman in their life had done. So here, my agent's wife, mm-hmm. the moment she got pregnant, quit. So quit all her jobs and because that's what she wants. And I was like, this was not a ruse to get a man. And I really <laughs> was going crazy because I couldn't. I didn't have anyone to talk to because the women who had come before me mm-hmm. were way and had kids way better, way better levels than I, the Joan Rivers, people go Roseanne or anyway, way better levels than I, and no one, I didn't really, most female comedians, it's not a joke, their wives had their babies, the ones that continued on the road. So I didn't know what to do. I didn't, so that's when I thought, oh, big bright idea, let's go move to New York. Mm-hmm. And then that lasted uh, one house away from my mother-in-law in Brooklyn. That lasted about three <laughs> months till she sold all my furniture. And the day, I went to work for one day. Mm-hmm. Well, how about this too, by the way, Sean? I was on stage the night before I gave birth. Where at, was this? At Governors in Long Island. Oh, wow. And I was That's a tough in, room even without... Right? <laughs> and I was in labor, water. but I didn't know because mm-hmm. I thought I had three weeks because I hadn't went to Lamaze classes because I worked my schedule because we also don't get maternity leave. No. So if I wasn't working, we weren't eating. This was the time before President Bernie Sanders. <laughs> right. <There's, laughs> if you're listening to this leaves. in the future. Right. No maternity leave, no paternity leave. There wasn't health care. Right. Most comedians never had If I didn't work, we weren't going to eat. So I was like, I got to work until the very last minute so I could take the time off with my baby, right? And um, I literally, my back was hurting and I thought it was because I had done a corporate in Florida on Thursday, flown to New York, uh, flown to Newark because there was a horrible snowstorm and that was the only flight that could get in was Newark, got Mm -hmm. in a car, Drove all the way to Long Island, which people who don't understand, but if you know anything about how long it would take from Newark to Long Island in a snowstorm, I literally, it was like I should have had someone from the Donner Party there so I could have feasted for a while. It took a long time, almost like eight hours that day because of the snow. And then I was on stage and my back was hurting and I didn't know, but I was in labor. I gave birth the next night, the first day off. Okay, so it wasn't a show night. No, no, I had no. I did four shows with Mm -hmm. a bad back, but the next day that I had off, the day after Mm -hmm. I performed, the next day I had off, that was on Sunday. My son came. He had great timing. (laughs) So then, what happened in the immediate six months, year, two years after that with your career? So I never stopped. Um, I had I had booked corporates Mm -hmm. for the first couple months. Which is good. Those are for those who don't understand. That's like you know, quiet, easy, jokey joke. You know, mm-hmm. money paying gigs. Uh, we moved to Brooklyn. We lived attached to my mother in law, and literally, I came home from one gig in North Carolina. I was gone twenty four hours. I pull up. I'm paying for taxi. That's how long ago it was. Went before it was Uber and Lyft. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I see a guy walk away with my grandmother's chair. The chair that I had moved from her house to my apartment in Cleveland to L.A., all the way across three houses in L.A., out of a boyfriend's house into New York. And this guy is walking away with my grandmother's chair. And I'm like, what the? And I look and all my furniture is out on the stoop and people are picking through it. What the hell? I got to run down chase this guy, fight with him over the chair. Mm -hmm. I finally have to give him 20 bucks to take back. He's like, this lady's giving away all this furniture. I'm like, no, that's my furniture. What lady? And then I see my mother-in-law. She had gotten new furniture the night before when I was out of town, Mm -hmm. decided my furniture was junky and gave me all her old furniture and threw all mine out. And then that's when- Were you aware of the New York rules? Uh, what's before the, that, before that, moment? the rules that if it's on the sidewalk, it, it's yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, it was. That's why I had <laughs> okay. to chase the chair down and give him twenty bucks for it. Uh, but I certainly didn't assume that she was going to throw it away. I thought maybe my husband might come into play there somewhere and go, "Hey, mom, why don't you wait at least and talk to Tammy?" Right. She had changed my son's uh, formula, and I was like, that night I said to my husband, uh, "We're going." I had a house in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. that I had bought with last comic standing money to just like own something and I thought my parents had moved there and um, I said we're going to the house in PA when Mm -hmm. you want to grow up you can come join us and it took him a couple days and he showed up and then shortly thereafter we created that show uh, uh, like a a production company came to me about uh, a a show about my life and I'm like "Ah, I live in Pennsylvania now and I have a kid and they're like even better (laughs) And so we sold that show about being a wife, a mother, and a comedian. And people, the problem with my show is that it was real life and people thought it was scripted. People thought my mother-in-law, who could possibly have a mother-in-law like that? And I'm like, oh, no, this is all real. Yes, my husband is that dumb. Yes, my mother-in-law is that mean. Yes, I really am going crazy. So did you, when you you sold that show, that was on WeTV. And I think the only other show I remember from that network was the Joan and Melissa show. Yes, and they they did, here's the thing, it was a new network, they didn't know which way they were going, mm-hmm. they didn't know if they were upside down or sideways, and they paired us together. But they paired us together in a weird way because that was not my demographic. I love Joan, but Joan and Melissa's show was not my demographic. Mine at the time was new moms, married couples, and I, she had a different, complete, right. and they Fashion put my show and- late. They put hers on first mm-hmm. as a lead-in to mine, but mine was on too late. So we played around with the times. They put us on hiatus, which we were doing well. By the time we went on hiatus, we had 900, and I think it was the numbers were like 987,000 people tuned in, which mm-hmm. for them is a fledgling network was great. They got a new uh, vice president. And by the time they came back to film it with me, it was too invasive. I mean... I love my family and I would have wanted to do it, but people were showing up at my house and they knew my kid's name. And it was like, I was on TV enough to have a show, but I didn't make the money to have security, (laughs) you know? And I was like, okay, this is weird. People were showing up. People were driving them over. I had this neighbor that just brought these people. She rang the doorbell and I'm like, hi. You know, of course I opened the door because I see my neighbor. She's like, oh, hey, these people, I met them at the, at the gas station. They're big fans of your show. And I'm like, 
you know, you bring in a stranger to my, but you can't like freak out. My kid was literally two and a half years old. He didn't know who the difference was. But this is what can happen when you're in a small town right. in Pennsylvania. Right. I want without a gated community. Right. Like, you know, the whole community is supposed to be gated. It's supposed to be safe. So it was really weird. And I'll tell you, as much as I love the concept of the show, it was it was really hard to it was about being a wife, a mother and a comedian, mm -hmm. which I was all those things. So my son would go to bed. My husband would go to bed. The crew would leave and I'd stay up. Until 2 o'clock in the morning cleaning the house because I didn't want the house to look like dirt on television the next, you know, 17 mm -hmm. people had walked through my house, right? Then the crew would go on vacation. I mean, the crew would st shut down mm -hmm. on Thursday night. We'd wrap up. And Friday morning at 5 o'clock, I'd get on a flight to go out to do my gigs. And I'd be on at my gigs Friday, Saturday. I'd come home Sunday, pull in the driveway, and we'd be rolling. So I had no downtime. It was the most insane. Th I mean, it's it was good problems to have, but right. we TV didn't have enough money to make it worth the good problem to have. So it almost sounds like even though the show wasn't a success, that might have come as a relief for you at that point. Right. At when, that point in your life. Right. When they wanted it to come back, when they didn't treat it as if it was a, a success, but even though it was mm -hmm. for them, um, because don't forget. Joan and Melissa was pulled at only 480,000 viewers. Mm -hmm. So we doubled them. But they didn't treat me like a success. It certainly didn't feel like it was a success. And they gave me enough time to think about it. Had they had not put us on a six-month hiatus, that's what they did. They put us, they stopped it in like April and then began to play the rest of it in like December. Mm. Had they left it alone, I probably would have been like down, let's do it, let's do it. But I had just enough time to go, yeah, it's not. And, and they really, I'll tell you the other thing was, is that I had created it and I was an executive producer of it, but it wasn't, I don't know, I just felt like I didn't have any, any say in my own show. And not that I, I'm, I'm really easy to get along with, for them, I really am. But I, one thing I, I really appreciate the demographic I speak to. Mm -hmm. I'm very clear on who my fans are, what they do, what their money is. What I try to respect them a lot, and I don't think they heard me. You know what I mean? And not, and they, and cl quite clearly they didn't, because by the time I left the network, they were on Yes for the Dress and the Braxtons and this and that. They didn't know where they were going. So how did that experience change what you wanted out of your career? It helped me really focus mm -hmm. on what I, who I was talking to. It, it really, I knew that I had likability. Like every focus group that they did with our show, mm -hmm. like I was always in the 80th, 90th percentile of likability. So I just wanted to play to that. I but mean, you knew that from being a club headliner for years, right? I didn't know that, you know, it's, you feel like Sally Field and we're, I didn't know they liked me. But mm -hmm. it when it resonated and you had these, pieces of paper that said people really like you mm -hmm. I thought okay so I really let me remember that I really like them too and let me write all my jokes as if we're old friends and I just haven't seen you for a while so I think I began to just speak to that and then it was kind of nice because I don't I sell a good amount of tickets I'm obviously no MSG comic uh, but I have very loyal fans like you'll see people who come to my show 
we've seen you five or six times. And so they want to hear about those people. They want, and everywhere I go, I have to answer questions about my mother-in-law. Was that real? Yeah, it was absolutely real. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, in a sense, we, we did reenact some of the things, but mm -hmm. it was, they were all true stories. In terms of like, at that, at that point in your life, you'd been on two straight seasons of Last Comics. So you were on mm -hmm. NBC for virtually a year straight. And held for another year. <laughs> Where they did nothing and didn't even give you auditions. You had a half hour in Comedy Central. Yeah. And then you had the reality show. Yeah. What did you think about TV at that point? I thought that was end all be all. I didn't mm -hmm. realize that there was another life, you know? I mean, it was a real, I, I was going crazy because I'm like, I really kind of felt, am I abdicating my career? I used to have to try to pretend I still lived in LA. Because at the time, my agent was like, don't tell anybody you moved. Of course, he had the worst advice. I should have left him a long time ago before that. But um, Even though you had a reality show that showed you living in. Right. Don't tell anybody you moved. I, I, but it's also like when you go into meetings now and people go, how many followers do you have? Well, it's not private. <laughs> I could just, <laughs> just look it up. Why do you ask me? Do you mean you have had no time at all to prepare for this? You didn't even care enough to even just take two seconds while you were pooping to look it up? I mean, come on. Because <laughs> you know lots of people do stuff like that. That's, what, that's why coronavirus is spreading. Because people hold their phones and poop. And then they wash their hands afterwards and they haven't washed their phones. Your phone should be in a plastic bag. You raise a, you raise a, a very, I'm telling very you, call Dr. Point. Drew and see what he thinks of this because I think I've solved it. Are you still living in Pennsylvania? Yeah. The same town or a different Same town. town. Uh, it's really, really great for my son. My parents moved there. My brothers moved. Now I'm kind of stuck because now my parents are getting to an age where I'm now taking care of. They were helping me with my son. Right. Now I'm taking care of them. And right. that's, it's been crazy. My son's getting more and more freedom and doing things. And now I have my parents. My parents are moving in with me in the next couple months. This is the other aspect of being a certain age. Of a certain Which, age. right now, that certain age is Gen X. Man, it's insane. It's insane. It, it literally, I'm so aggravated because I, I, when is the dismount coming? Like, I'm ready for the triple Lindy. I want out, but I can't. I can't calm down. I've never worked harder. This, think of what's going. I've never worked harder than I work right now, which I really appreciate. You're you're just talking about gigs. Yeah, gigs. You're not but, talking about like well, all the extra stuff. Well, like work is that. is crazy, right? Mm -hmm. And then think about think about all that, you know. Then I'm dealing with my son, my husband, my parents, my mother. Like it's I don't. I, can't, I don't have any time for myself. I suppose that's probably what happened to that exec who couldn't figure out how many followers I had because maybe he's living that life right now. But, right. you know? Do you feel like you need to carve out even more time to do all of the social media things? To uh, get those sometimes. followers to be able to talk to those execs? Sometimes, except that I know, like, people go, how come your Instagram isn't up? Want to know why? Because my Facebook and my Twitter is up, and that's where my demographic lives. You're forcing me on, 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 on mediums that my demographic mm -hmm. isn't there. They're there a little bit, and they'll eventually be there, and I'll grow when they grow. Your fans aren't on TikTok? Yeah, they're not. <laughs> no, so we can forget it. Although I'm on TikTok. Uh, TikTok. You are. Yes, there are little kids doing my act on TikTok. It's the weirdest thing. 
I'm glad you mentioned that because there was a, a New York comedian who died a couple of weeks ago. And that's one, great. Thank you for bringing that well, up. No, Sean, one, one, no, no, that's not the <laughs> point. Just the point is one of his, one of his <laughs> no, friends, like, so sorry, mentioned like a few days later is like, Oh, I see all these kids lip syncing his jokes. Like he's, he wasn't famous and yet his jokes are yeah. on TikTok I, and like I kids in India are doing lip syncs to his jokes. It's, it's like, weird. What is happening? I didn't know how to feel about it because I was like, someone sent it to me and I'm like, what do you mean? First, because it was a grown up that they sent me. So they sent it to me mm-hmm. and I know TikTok from my son. Right. But music. I didn't know they were doing comedy. So I was trying to figure out, I'm like, is this, are they hacking? Are they... I didn't know exactly what's going on. It's like somebody lifting my material. To, and then you see little kids. And then I'm like, what kind of parent would let a little kid do my act? I mean, I'm relatively clean as far as mm-hmm. if we can technically say that. But I still don't want a six year. If you're in a car seat, you really should know my act. Like, that's not my new. I'm not aiming for them. Like, there's no Saturday afternoon show in this wheelhouse here. No, you're aiming for the crowd that's watching Showtime at 11 o'clock. Right. I, you know what? Their parents are watching it and they're mm-hmm. hanging out behind the couch. That's really <laughs> what's going on. I got a drunk mommy who doesn't realize that her kid is up sitting on the steps. So this will reveal my certain age. I'm not on TikTok. I refuse to get on TikTok. But can you can you search out the kids who are doing your your jokes? Yeah, I think you, or, you, I think you, you put in, stumble upon in me. You put my name in. Mm-hmm. I think. I don't know. I mean, okay. I don't even. Yeah. They don't even realize that TikTok, that's meant a clock movement. I was trying to tell my son that. I'm like, what is this? A TikTok to mm-hmm. pass the time? He goes, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? I'm like, that's what a clock used to go. TikTok, tick, forget it. I was <laughs> just like, forget it. I'm not allowed to swear in front of you, so just keep moving. I can't. I, it's it's the craziest thing. Although my son has become just like me. He's very sarcastic and very, and it, like we just had a weird incident that I had to go to the principal's office for, mm-hmm. but I was really actually kind of proud of him. Oh, because he was acting up like, like a class clown in the making? Mm, okay, I'll tell you the story. Uh, it's, it's uh, so we had a cat. My cat was 15 and a half and died, and it was crushing. Three weeks ago, devastating. I'm so sorry. Thank you. And I only say that because it was, I know people go, there are adults and, and grown-ups and people and children who die, and I, and I get it, and everybody has a different thing. But the cat was something to me before I even knew my husband and my son. It was a different part of my life. And when mm. I was sick in L.A. with liver disease by myself, the cat got me through it when I was going through a lot of treatments and stuff. Uh, and not from drinking judgmental people. Um, not that that would matter. But um, anyway, so it was a very, also very devastating because my son had never been through a death. Okay, he was 11 at the time. So he friend grouped, you know, they chat. They texted his friends. It's a Catholic school that morning. It was sweet. They said a little prayer for our family, the soul of the cat. And there was this little girl who's always annoying. Mm-hmm. And she's sweet but annoying. And... He, she was singing while my son's trying to take a test. And he was like, hey, can you stop? You're, I'm trying to take this test. And so she sang louder. And he's like, will you please stop? I'm trying. And she sang even louder. But not so the teacher here, just to annoy him. Mm-hmm. And he goes, will you stop? You're being annoying. And she stopped and looked at him and said, how's your cat? 
and my son said, how's your dad? <laughs> because her dad had left the family six years earlier. And uh, as I was explaining to the principal, mm -hmm. she was trying to bully him. And those are the rules of engagement. If you draw first blood, you mm -hmm. don't get to choose how someone reacts. She wanted him to cry. Mm -hmm. He's the son of a comic. Two she, comics. She was heckling him. She was heckling him. She was trying to bully him. Mm -hmm. Now, he, should he use his powers for good? He absolutely should. But he also is an 11-year-old boy who was in a lot of pain, and she was trying to exploit that pain. He could have hit her. I mean, you don't know how to... I would have hit her. She, I'd have punted her if she'd have said it to me that, that <laughs> next day. So I think that, you know, it's he's, he's who I want him to be. He's just got to learn how to use his words at an appropriate time that's all well he just needs to watch some after school specials yeah way after school special maybe <laughs> coming out march 17th um by the way can we just say this off the topic mm -hmm. for a quick second how dumb is it for them to release my special on saint patrick's day talk about not knowing your demographic but i'm not in charge of anything <laughs> dumb 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 how are here's a slightly back on topic question how are comedy audiences these days? Lovely. Yeah. Have Be you noticed any changes in them over the last? No, because I play real places. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't really just stay in New York or L.A., so I don't have to worry about appealing to everybody. And my demographic, I hate to use that word again, but mm -hmm. my audience comes to see me. And if they bring someone who isn't familiar with me, they bring someone. And they've explained it. Rarely do I have to convince someone who I am anymore. That's why I try to stay out of those clubs at 10 o'clock at night that, you know, bring her shows. Like, mm -hmm. I've been really lucky to cultivate and spend. Now, that's where social media works. I've put my own money back in. When I, when uh, my agent fired me and my manager dropped me over this whole crazy scandal, I put my money back into me. And I focused, I remember how Dane used to focus on social media and I just was able to just appeal to the people who were like-minded, who liked my comedy and stay right on task and was able to keep it building and that's how I moved to small theaters and brought it all back around again, you know? Yeah. So no, it doesn't, it never changed for me because I stayed I have always been politically incorrect-ish. Mm -hmm. I've always been a little bit hard and aggressive. So those people know what they're getting with me. Did you hear that bottle just pop? Was that some kind of... <laughs> um, yeah, so no, if you're trying to just go appeal... Well, but some I, comedians complain that, that even if you, t if you remove the, the political situation, the political... Yeah, I don't talk about politics. But even if you remove that... There's plenty of comedians who've complained over the last couple of years about just audiences being a little too sensitive. Yeah, they or, always are. But I or say feeling it. like they should be able to to have a bigger voice in the proceedings of a show. Always has happened to me. Yeah. I've been I've been every every woman who got too old to strip has always tried to heckle me. Every you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. always they've always tried to participate in my act. Unless you're participating paying my mortgage, you're not participating in my act. And I say straight up at the top of my show, just like a flight attendant, there's an exit over here and there's an exit over there. If at any time you're upset over something I say, you're more than welcome to use them. But I'll tell you, save your time, save your energy. Don't post about me negatively on social media because I do not care. <laughs> and I'm not changing who I am. If my mother couldn't change me, you can't. Mm -hmm. Aside from your new solo hour, 
some of your other recent TV credits, including the Showtime one, are showcases that are um, collectives of females. Yeah, this is the second one. Whether it was Jenny McCarthy's Dirty, Sexy, Funny, or now Showtime's More Funny Women of a Certain Age. What what does that tell you about about the power of like women joining together or the necessity of women to join together? I don't it's a weird thing or is it that executives think that we have to be together cuz we're not powerful enough separately at a certain age? I don't know cuz that is upsetting to me too by mm-hmm. the way. I do think that the women women's movement is amazing. But I don't necessarily always think it's amazing for every age group. So when we have this more women of a certain age, that makes me happy. It makes me happy that Showtime recognized that in the first place and in the second place. And we'll see what happens. Will they be able to say that this person is popping off the special? They get their own. How mm-hmm. about this? Or, you know, because in the old days, that's how things worked. If someone popped off a special, they got a development right. deal or they got whatever. So Especially we'll the young comedian special. Always, right? So Which is a different We'll see. Age. The Dirty, Sexy, Funny, I, I remember being super hesitant to be part of. Um, I love Jenny, but she was in a stand-up, mm-hmm. and she clearly said that. That's one of the things I loved about her and embraced. But I was like, I've never tried. I'm not dirty by any stretch. I may swear sometimes, mm-hmm. but... Um, I never tried to play sexy or anything like that. More than anything, I tried to play almost genderless because I didn't come from that generation where we could embrace Italian. being women. Yeah, like, <laughs> right. I used to be happy when people go, you were too Italian because I realized that they didn't see me as a woman. When I got a lot of those critiques from last comic, oh, she's so Italian. Oh, that's so great. They didn't even talk about me being a woman. That's wonderful, right? <laughs> um, and then, uh, so... But funny, I was okay with. Mm-hmm. So I just swore a little bit more and did my jokes as mm-hmm. me. And I think that's, that's one of the things I loved about this is that I'm finally fully, the set that you see on this, this special, I'm finally fully me. I don't know if it took me all these years. You know, I, I don't know that I was ever, I never say that I'm great or anything like that. But this is the best set that I've ever done in a six-minute window. All my Tonight Shows, all my other things, bar none, this is my favorite set I've ever done in a six-minute window. Or eight-minute, or ten. I don't know how many minutes it mm-hmm. is because I kind of check out. I, I Hey, how much can you like you? I don't take a ton of selfies. I take one or two and let it go. Right, because you're not on Instagram. It's just not for me, man. Yeah. I, I Plus, I can't – I got to look – I look at – everything on people's things i'm like i i get very upset i told my son don't ever bring a girl home that is taking a instagram or a selfie or a snapchat picture and her room is messy i just don't want to see if her room is clean then we can have a conversation i don't care if she's naked in the picture Mm -hmm. but it better be a clean room right (laughs) i need to know it's got to be sanitary your your priorities are in check yeah it's got to be sanitary sanitary for sure or else put a room in a bag with the phone. I mean, just put a green screen up, by the way. <laughs> no one has to see your room. Put a green screen behind you. See, you're thinking. Sean, I don't know what I'm thinking anymore. <laughs> I swear to you, every time I turn around, I'm, I'm shocked at the next thing. Like, you know what I'm thinking about right now? What else? 
and that I should be happy and I should be mm -hmm. satisfied with all this stuff that's happening. But you have to constantly think. See, I remember doing my first Tonight Show. You know, I think Showtime does that show. They, they had that show on uh, I'm Dying up here, right? Right. The and you remember documented that? Documented when Johnny first moved out to Burbank. Right. And do you yeah, remember? Yeah. Well, do you, no, no. The thing about the comics. Yeah. Remember, right? Was that what it was? Right. But I it was based on when Johnny Carson moved his show to Burbank. Oh, was it? All the comics went out to L.A., Oh, I didn't know. I, I I have to tell you, here's why I, I had to stop watching it because the first episode, not giving anything away, no. um, the comic does a Tonight Show and then walks into traffic and kills himself. Yeah, same the night. The day after my first Tonight Show, you can call Dom Irera and ask him, a huge depression set in because I expected the world to change mm. and it didn't change. And that show hit me so hard because I was like, I didn't know what to do. I had spent 10 years of my career. Don't forget, I'd never done any television. My first thing was a Tonight Show. So I did it, and I thought, oh, this is it. This is all I've been working towards. So now I constantly am like, what's next? What's right. next? So we don't just sit down and pace yourself out. You know? Well, you know, growing up in Generation X, we still felt that the Tonight Show is the be-all, end-all. Mm -hmm. And that would make or break a career. And it's been proven that that doesn't matter. In fact, it's unclear whether any TV credit matters at this point. Yeah. So what? So what do you do to? Well, that's to, not true. This this set on Showtime <laughs> here is going to change everything for me. This is a game changer set. I'm speaking it into existence right now. No, I'm sorry. What do we do? What? Well, how do we measure success now? Well, obviously, a lot of people followers, at least that guy who poops and doesn't look people up. But is that how you measure success? Mm -mm. Applause at the end of the show. Standing up. Like, people have been standing up at the end of my shows lately, mm -hmm. and not just to leave. <laughs> and and, and um, that's cool. That's a weird thing to get used to. That's a weird thing. That's a, like, I wasn't, but I feel like I try to, and maybe it is being this age, mm -hmm. not to, and having friends die that you're shocked. I try to now collectively think this might be somebody's last night. And I gotta give them a good last night. Could be my last night. Let's hope not, because let's hope I don't offend anybody that bad. <laughs> but like, uh, but. I, no, so, it was the best 10 minutes set of your life. Right? Yeah. Well, I always said, like, if anybody was ever going to get shot on stage, it's probably going to be me. <laughs> I don't, but I might shoot them back, too. So you never know. Uh, but I think, you know, look, I, 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 I enjoy what I do now. And hopefully that shows. I try to just leave it all on the stage as much as I can now, you know? What do you want your son to, to make of your comedy career when it's all said and done? Well, you know, I leave him mm -hmm. to take care of us. And that's a hard thing. That's a hard, that's a hard thing for anybody to do, male or female. But uh, even tangentially, as a woman, people will bring that up to him all the time. Oh, your mommy's gone. Your mom's gone. But that's a big deal. Like, it's a, it's a, but it's a deal that my husband and I made, and it's why I live in a small town. I did technically put him first. 
did I think that Meadville was going to be the mecca of comedy? Did I make it harder on myself? Absolutely. And by the way, I hate people who speak in question marks and answer their own questions. That, that's one of the things that drives me nuts on reality shows. Um, I can't believe I just did that. But I, I think he's going to... I mean, I would hope that he sees that I loved what I do. You know, like if I was ever gone and... He knows that he's always been a part of it. I put him in everything. Right. I know at the my end of your special, social special. He's the executive producer of my special. But you also bring him out on stage. At the, at the at very the end. end. Did they send it to you? Yeah, I got the, I got the screener link this morning. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. I bring him out. I try to do everything. And that was part of, like, you know, uh, he just, he needs to know that it's it's something. He, you know, it was weird for him when we had that TV show. Mm-hmm. My brother-in-law had a TV show, both of them, on DIY called um, Under Construction. It was, DIY was a new okay. fledgling network at the time. And he, all of a sudden, he's just a contractor. He's not trying to be an actor. But they show up and gave him 52 episodes, and he's just a big choo-choo who was out there hammering nails somewhere. And so at the same just time. Just a palanca. Right? Just, and right, just out there. Hey, hey, we got a show. Got 52 episodes. I'm like, are you kidding me? I've been out here stomping around, like shucking and jiving and everything, and you're going to just get 52 episodes? So um, he's like, yeah, I don't know what to do with it. I, well, I do. <laughs> I do. Get out of here. Go to home and garden shows. So um, then it was weird because when my kid was growing up, mm-hmm. like he's like two or three years old, and he was at uh, the uh, friend's house or something. I forgot. It was friend's house, a sitter or something. And something scary was on. It was like the first time he's ever scared. Mm -hmm. And they said to him, oh, don't worry, it's just TV. And he wouldn't calm down. And they were like, he won't calm down. I tried to explain to him it's just on TV. I said, he doesn't understand because his whole family's on TV. So of course he thinks it's real. He sees his mother, his father, himself, his grandmother, his aunt, his uncle. Everybody's on TV in his family. So he doesn't understand that it's not real because we had this stupid reality show. So... For his sanity, I think. And he'll know that, you know, he knows. He gets it. He gets it, I think. I think he, I better. I don't know. I'm saving for college. He can use it for therapy. It'll be up to him. He'll do what he wants with it, you know? (laughs) Sounds like a plan. (laughs) Thanks, Tammy. Love you, Sean. This episode of The Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks first.